Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Hold it. There's no fleet, no starfighters, no plan. One ship, you, me, and that's it? Exactly. Zero thinks you're still on Earth. Classic military strategy. Surprise attack. It'll be a slaughter. That's the spirit. No, my slaughter. One ship against the whole armada? Yes, one gun star against the armada. I've always wanted to fight a desperate battle against incredible odds. Damage report! Guidance system out. Auxiliary steering out. She won't answer the helm. We're locked into the moon's gravitational pull. What do we do? We die. Welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I'm Zabe, your host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for fabulous prizes and in their process do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have wanted if you were here with us, saving Generation X from fading into some giant black hole in outer space. We're so happy you've chosen to join us, and I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's start the show. We're going to save Gen X for future generations a little today with the material we cover with these two friends slash family members. Our contestants today are Mike. Hey there. Hi, Zay. Good to see you. Uh, thanks for having me on. My name is Mike and uh, class of 91, and I'm excited to be here uh, competing against my brother, John, who I'm, I'm married to his sister, and uh, my much older, wiser, smarter brother is going to probably give me a run for my money, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. You know, the supposedly underdogs of most episodes have come out to be the winners very often, so chin up, Mike. You, 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 got, a, you got a solid chance, I'm sure. We'll see. And he'll be playing against John. Hey, Jason. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be on board. And I've really enjoyed the show since you started it. Uh, I, I kind of feel bad after Mike's complimentary uh, uh, talking to me there uh, because I have the feeling he's going to feel inverted when I'm Gen X's top gun to his Iron Eagle 2. <laughs> oh, man. That was good. The smack is here. I love it. We're going to jump right into round one now and get the games rolling. If you're new to the show, this is how we play. The show is broken up into three rounds. The player that, with the most points after round two goes on to play the bonus round and try to win today's prize. That is unless the losing player can play spoiler to them and stop them in our final game. Round one. Hey guys, you know, um, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have our first game of the night. And it's a game we call The Facts of Life. This is a game where we take a top 10 crowdsourced opinions about a topic and players must compete to identify them on a top 10 list. An incorrect answer gets you a strike and the player that gets three strikes loses the round. The winner of the round will be awarded 
the power, the power, which is a position that will grant them advantages later in the show. So no points are awarded for round one, but having the power in round two can be a great advantage. Happy days will be seen later tonight, right after the following presentation. With 30 years of your favorite children's shows, it's the ABC Saturday Preview Special. And here's your host, Mr. Dick Clark. Hey, thanks very much. And good evening. Now, for the next 30 minutes, it's going to be Saturday morning. Now, if you were a kid any time in the last 30 years, you know that Saturday morning is a time that belongs to the young. Parents are allowed to watch, but only when accompanied by a kid. Tonight, we'll be recalling three decades of Saturday mornings and the special friends who made growing up just a little more enjoyable. So uh, if you're a kid, or if you've ever been a kid, stick around for the next 30 minutes because TV belongs to you. Saturday morning cartoons is a colloquial term for the original animated series programming that was typically scheduled on Saturday mornings in the United States on the big three television networks. The genre's popularity had a broad peak from the mid-60s through the mid-90s. After that point, it declined in the face of changing cultural norms, increased competition from formats available at all times, i.e. streaming, and heavier regulations. The very brief history of U.S. regulations on Saturday morning cartoons is this. Ronald Reagan lowered or removed regulations. Bush Sr. objected to new regulations, but did nothing to stop them. And then the Clinton administration ramped up regulations to the point that it set up a chain of events that eventually killed Saturday morning cartoons, RIP. Thanks for nothing, Bill. Our generation represents the golden age of Saturday morning cartoons. While they were not invented in the 80s, they certainly hit their stride during that decade. This episode's Facts of Life list is the greatest Saturday morning cartoons on the big three television networks in the 1980s. These shows have been voted on by over 5,000 cartoon lovers and represent a comprehensive list of over 60 shows. The list rules are these are only animated shows from NBC, CBS, and ABC that aired from 1980 to 1989 on Saturday mornings in the United States. So that means shows like Josie and the Pussycats, Jabba Jaw, George of the Jungle, Laugh Olympics, Underdog, etc., will not be on the list because they were not in the lineup in the 80s. Got it, everyone? Got it. Flip the coin backstage. And Mike won the coin flip. So kick us off, Mike. What is the greatest Saturday morning cartoon? So I spent a lot of my Saturday mornings in front of the TV. Um, not the best programming, but it's what I had. And I, I remember NBC had an hour and a half every Saturday morning devoted to the Smurfs. So I'm gonna go with the Smurfs. Ooh, I hate Smurfs. The Smurfs is the number two answer. Congratulations, great job. John, what do you okay. got? Uh, I'm gonna pick some low-lying fruit here and uh, maybe embarrass myself. I'm gonna go with the Care Bears of, uh, of all uh, franchises. Care Bears is very low fruit. Uh, I'm going to page three. Um, <laughs> looking for them. Yep. That's strike one, John. Okay. Care Bears is number 18 on the list. Oh, not far off. <laughs> yeah, you watch the Care Bears, John? No. I'm just getting I'm getting the ugly ones out of the way. It's okay, John. No, no shame. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, I've got a I've got another gem. Uh, okay. That wasn't a clue, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no Hopefully not. That would be an outrageous answer if it was. Okay, Mike, your turn. What do you got? 
Okay, so one of my favorites, uh, it has to be the Super Friends. Wonder Twin Powers activate! Shape of octopus! Form of an ice unicycle! Come on, Jaina! It's up to us to stop those aliens! Super Friends has got to be on the list. Super Friends absolutely has to be on the list. It's number four. So, John with one strike. Mike, no strikes. Back to you, John. Ah, this is this is going poorly, uh, considering this ought to be uh, a strength for me. I'm going to roll with the Snorks. How far down the list are we this time, Jace? Uh, there were 60 shows on the list. <laughs> Snorks is number 40 on the list. Yeah. All right. John, that is strike two, brother. I am, I am on a roll. Uh-oh. Mike, <laughs> put the pressure on him and take three off the top ten. Okay, let's see if I can get one or three here. Okay, I'm going to have to go with a, a good favorite, uh, Scooby-Doo. There's a very logical explanation for all this. Quick, tell me. The place is haunted. Thanks a lot. Of course, Scooby-Doo, number three. All right. You got to get the number one, John. <laughs> John, you're up. All right. Two strikes. Th- a miss here, I- and you strike out. All right, I think this started in the 80s, so I'm going to go with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The thing about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is it went into syndication, I think, in like in 90. So I believe they started doing it, but it wasn't on Saturday mornings oh. until in the, uh, the 90s. Wow, a swing and a miss. That is a, a big swing and a miss. Strike. Yeah. John, that's strike three. Mm. I'm sorry, John. You have yeah. struck out. That means, Michael, you won, and you have won the power. Congratulations. Power. Wow. This may be a 15-minute show here, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I told you, sometimes the person going in who thinks they're the underdog uh, does better than they think. John, three in a row strikes. What's up? Yeah, that was not a a strong showing in any way, shape, or form. Well, you don't go with snorks. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Smurfs was was like my one go-to answer, and Mike immediately picked that that apple right off the tree. (laughs) I'm going to go through the, the uh, list here, and I think some of the names, uh, it might have thrown you, it sounds like you thought that these were only shows that were invented or created in the 80s. Yeah, that's just that were, These were just shows that were in the 80s lineup. Okay. okay. So here's the, here's the top 10. Number 10 was Thundar the Barbarian. But one man bursts his bonds to fight for justice. With his companions, Ukla the Mock and Princess Ariel, he pits his strength, his courage, and his fabulous sun sword against the forces of evil. He is Thundar the Barbarian. I never would have got that. How about number nine, which was Space Stars? Uh, I didn't recognize it by that name either, but we, if I say the names Space Ghost and Herculoids, you uh, might know that show better. It fell sure. under the umbrella of a show called Space Stars. Join the famed Herculoids in their new battles to preserve peace on the planet Quasar. Now get set for 60 laser-blasting minutes of action, adventure, fun on Space Stars. Number eight, Dungeons and Dragons. Who was that? That was Venger, the force of evil. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Number seven, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Spider-Friends! Go for it! Number six, Hong Kong Fooey. Number one super guy! Number five, all the different iterations of the Flintstones. We'll have a game! 
is number five, including Fred and Barney meet the new schmoo. If you remember that show. Uh, number four you got was Super Friends, three Scooby-Doo, two was Smurfs, and number one, the crown jewel of them all, Bugs Bunny. Such an interesting monster too. My stars, if an interesting monster can't have an interesting hairdo, then I don't know what things are coming to. Really? Well, no, I, I, I was absolutely destined to do poorly on that. Say, you know, I knew I should have made a left turn at Albuquerque. Before we start round two, let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. I like to ask a personal preference question to have our listeners get a better idea of who they're playing against at home and also ask our guests about their Gen X credentials. That is, besides being born when they were, what makes them qualified to truly call themselves Generation X? This episode's personal preference question is, what is the greatest Saturday morning cartoon and what was the lamest Saturday morning cartoon? Michael, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your personal preference question. Okay, thanks, Abe. So uh, I was in class of 91 and I grew up along the foothills off the 210. So Pasadena, Eagle Rock, Duarte, riding my bike around like, you know, Goonies and Poltergeist, you know, that whole neighborhood. And uh, I have to say my Gen X credentials, uh, a few of them, I, dad was at work for 12 hours a day and he gigged at night. So I grew up in front of a TV with my TV dinner, my TV tray. And then I'd hop my bike, go down to the arcade, blow a whole bunch of quarters. And then um, I'd come home after school and uh, plopped down on the couch in front of uh, PBS. And I would watch uh, Bob Ross. I was an original Bob Ross fan. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. People can't see you on the podcast holding up your Bob Ross. Bob Ross, uh, uh, what's that called again? Those are- Funko uh, yeah. Pop. Yeah. Funko Pop. Funko Pop, yeah. I, I liked him before he was a thing. <laughs> okay, so Saturday morning cartoon, probably the Super Friends um, until the Wonder Twins came on. Uh, <laughs> They, they so were, you were a Marvin and Wendy and, and Wonder no, Dog? No, I didn't like them either. I liked okay. Apache Chief, and I think Green Lantern was my favorite. He was my favorite. He could make anything that was green, so it was good. Um, yeah, they were good, but the, the, the worst show, I love Scooby-Doo and the Mystery Machine, the whole bit, until um, one fall, I was looking forward to the new show, the new, it was like 86 maybe, and it was a Scooby-Doo and the 13 Ghosts. And they got rid of Velma, they got rid of Fred, and they brought on this little, the little kid with a hoodie. And there were actual ghosts and they were terrible. And I just could not stand that show. And I looked so forward to it. And the TV guy, I was ready for it. And it just was, it blew chunks. Terrible. <laughs> you remember that one, John? I, I, I have a, I have a, my answer is going to be shockingly close to yours. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember when they went to switch from, uh, you know, old man Carruthers or whatever, running the abandoned amusement park to actual spirits and spooks. They forgot what the magic was that made their show. They jumped the spectral shark. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Mike, thanks so much for being on the show. Mm -hmm. And Mike will be playing against John. Hey, John. Hey, Jason. Uh, my name's John. I live in Sacramento, California. I'm a captain in the United States Merchant Marine. I currently work out of Guyana, South America. Uh, my resume for Gen X, I will never call it a CV uh, because I don't, I don't want to, uh, I'm not ready to, uh, to go over that speed bump in life. But uh, uh, I've tasted a rainbow of color additives uh, in foods that are now considered poisons by the FDA. 
I'm a certified latchkey kid who waited patiently for He-Man to end because that's when mom rolled in and I could go outside. Uh, and I'm comfortable with the knowledge that the best Swanson TV dinner is the hungry ombre. Uh, so uh, the weaknesses in my Gen X armor uh, really is the complete and utter inability to moonwalk in any shape or form. Uh, I, admittedly, I never went to breakdancing school or camp, uh, but I did watch two instructional videos, Breakin and Breakin 2, Electric Boogaloo, uh, neither of which were any help. So that's, uh, that's about where I'm, I land on the spectrum of uh, Gen X credentials. Well, that's where you went wrong. You should have got the Alfonso Rivera uh, Breakin instructional video. That, that could have helped you. Yeah, that probably would have been uh, a big help. And then there was the the worst, uh, the best and worst Saturday morning cartoons, right? Right. And I'm actually going to piggyback on Mike. Super Friends Far and Away was my favorite uh, Saturday morning cartoon. And actually Green Lantern was easily, is still my favorite DC character uh, to this day. And uh, the worst, you know, I'm, I'm going to piggyback again, but I'm going to add a little nuance to it in that when they went, and when they added Scrappy-Doo, to Scooby-Doo, it totally destroyed that cartoon for me. I, it, just, it just absolutely, all, all of the nuance that was involved in the crime fighting and uh, having Scooby snacks, which we all know were code for Scooby snacks, uh, <laughs> you know, in the mystery machine, which was constantly hot boxed. Uh, yeah, uh, Scrappy was, Scrappy was the, the end of my childhood in a lot of ways. I, I think you got a lot of people nodding their head along with you listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> well, they, they, certainly, hated. They, they certainly were not nodding with me during my answers for uh, <laughs> the first part of this show. So uh, maybe I can, maybe I can get a few back on my side here. Well, if the creator of the snorks is out there listening to this podcast right now, he's, he's stoked right now. I, I think there's an eight by 10 in the mail coming my way. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thanks for being on the show guys. Round two. Round two today is a game called eight is enough. In this game, I'll be asking a total of eight questions, four to each of the contestants. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one point for a partial correct answer, which is up to the judge's discretion. At any time, players can appeal the judges to make a ruling for a partial correct answer and try to make their case through loud arguments. The player who won round one has the power, the power. to choose between the two questions during the round. The power also allows you to know one of the two categories a question falls under. Players take turn answering questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. A steal is worth one point, but also steals the power away from their opponent. You cannot lose points for an incorrect answer. However, all questions must be given an answer, no matter how incorrect it is. So if you don't know, make something up and have it entertaining. Okay, Mike, you have the power and you get to pick between these two questions. I'll take two random ones. You can choose between, come to me, son of Jor-El, kneel before Zod which is a movie question, or you can choose the kind people have a wonderful dream. I'm gonna have to go with Superman too. Come to me, son of Jor-El, kneel before Zod is a question with words that rhyme with the word Zod. Okay, okay. I'm just kidding. Oh, In the movie Superman 2, Lex Luthor bargains with Zod for information on where to find Superman, the son of their jailer. In exchange for this information, what does Lex Luthor ask for in return? It is a multiple choice if you'd like it. Good, yes. Let's, let's do multiple choice on this one. Okay. Does Lex Luthor ask for A, a kryptonite meteorite from the museum, B, 
launch codes to nuclear missiles. C, to be Zod's human ambassador to the rest of the world and given a country in Europe to rule, and he picks Austria. Or was it D, Australia? Oh, gosh. This is a little, this is a little tough because I thought he wanted Australia at one point. Maybe it was in the first movie. But my, my hunch was going to go with the ambassador to Europe. That's what, I, that's what I'm thinking. Ambassador to Europe. I'm sorry, Mike. I made that up. That is incorrect. John, can you steal? Okay, can, can you run down the multiple choice answers for me again? Sure. Was it A, a kryptonite meteorite from the museum? B, launch codes to nuclear missiles? Uh, C, uh, was, not, was already picked? And D, Australia? Okay, so I want to say the launch codes, but I seem to be, remember that being the movie with Richard Pryor, and I thought that was the third one. But I'm going to go with B. I'm, I'm going to go with B. Launch codes to the nuclear missiles is yes. also incorrect. <laughs> Lex wanted My, Australia in return. My streak continues. Yeah. yeah. He wanted Australia in exchange for Superman's address. General, um, the crystal there uh, activates the mechanism. Lex Luthor, ruler of Australia, activate the machine. <clears throat> Famously, there was a director change from Superman 1 to Superman 2. Gene Hackman, who plays Lex Luthor in both films, refused to work for the new director. And when reshoots were called for, a body double was employed and, Gene, and a Gene Hackman voice impersonator was used for new dialogue. Wow. So that's no points for this question. Wow. All right. The good news is you're both tied. Okay. John, this question's for you. It's called The Kind People Have a Wonderful Dream. This is a music question. It is common to settle on a name for an album after recording all the tracks are completed and use a working title in the meantime. What was the working title for the Smiths' third studio album, The Queen is Dead? This is also a multiple choice. Was it A, Vicar in a Tutu? B, Please, 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 Let Me Get What I Want? C, I Know It's Over? Or D, Margaret on the Guillotine? C would be a very Morrissey answer, uh, just because he was probably angry with a recording executive at some point for whatever reason, slight, uh, real or imagined. Uh, so I'm going to go with C. I know it's over. C is incorrect, John. <laughs> you are O for everything. 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 Mike, can you put the pressure on and steal this question? Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, give me the, the multiple choice again. We're going to have to hear it again. Uh, was it A, Vicar in a Tutu? B, please, 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 let me get what I want. C, I know it's over. It's not C. Or D, <laughs> Margaret on the guillotine. Okay. I'm just going to go ahead. Do I get a clue? Any help? Uh, <laughs> there, there was a clue. I, I, I think you guys skipped right over it, but you'd have to know the music in, in order to get the clue. Uh -oh. Okay. I'm just going to have to shoot a, an arrow in the dark there and... I'm going to go for the guillotine. That's the first time anyone's ever said, I'll go for the guillotine. <laughs> but in this case, it worked out for you because D is correct. <laughs> the kind people have a wonderful dream. Margaret, guillotine. That's one yeah. point for you, Mike. 
and you retain the power. <sighs> Didn't he get in a lot of trouble for that, Jason? Dude, he got a lot of trouble for everything. Yeah. Released in 1986, The Queen is Dead had the working title, Margaret on the Guillotine, which later became a, title, a track title on Morrissey's debut solo album, Viva Hate. The Guillotine remained France's state method of capital punishment well into the late 20th century. The last person to meet his end by the National Razor was executed in 1977. Still, the machine's 189-year reign only officially came to an end in September of 1981 when France abolished capital punishment for good. Who knew that the guillotine died when the millennials were born? Okay. So that's one point for Mike, zero points for John. Mike, you get a pick between these two questions. Will it be, they're here, which is a movie question. You might be surprised to find out. Or you can pick, you have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. Oh, gosh. Those are both good categories. Uh, I'm going to have to go with my favorite, though. They're here. It's a movie question. Poltergeist is often found towards the top of any 80s horror list. There are plenty of scares, violence, and gross moments that are essential to making any true horror film. There are many dead souls causing havoc in the movie, but how many people die in the movie? And this is a multiple choice as well, if you'd like. Was it A, none, nobody died. B, one person died. C, three people died. Or D, 69. 69, dude. So are you saying that they died during the, the filming of the movie? No. How many people died in the movie? The, the, How many the, characters died in the movie? Okay. So the core family doesn't die. The, 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 the bad boss doesn't die. Wait, he gets, he gets zapped. But I think he doesn't die. He gets zapped or something, gets thrown up against a bug. Um, I don't think anyone dies in the movie. I'm going to go with nine. A, none is the correct answer. Well done. You have three points now to John Zero. The pressure <laughs> is mounting. And here's the fun fact. Nobody dies in this movie, but a few come close. Robbie almost dies twice, once by an evil tree outside his yard, and another by a possessed clown that almost strangles Robbie to death. Carol Ann comes close to dying when she is in another dimension trapped with a horrible monster. Diane almost gets electrocuted on the stairway and doorknobs. In the scene with the skeletons in the pool... There are actual real skeletons used. It was cheaper to use real ones than to fabricate them. Joe Beth Williams, the actor, was notified as soon as she was about to shoot the scene, and she wasn't happy about it one bit. If you're wondering how her reaction was so genuine, that's why. Think about that next time you watch the movie. Poltergeist. It knows what scares you. So, so, John, was that the movie that, that started your fear of clowns? It could have been. <laughs> it could have been. That, that, I remember that movie being on HBO, like, on repeat. Although that and Beastmaster were uh, constant repeats on HBO. You know, you, you pay to get this premium channel, and then you get stuck with Poltergeist and Beastmaster over and over and over. There are worse mo movies to get stuck with, bro. Uh, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, John, you need to get this right now. Yes, I do. Points. Here we go. 
The question is called, you have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. This is a movie question. The Last Starfighter was the story of a guy who escaped a trailer park life by becoming really good at an arcade game. His epic high score got the attention of aliens who were, who were in need of a hero. And a generation of kids who grew up loving video games were officially hooked by this dream come true premise. What is the name of the alien who comes to Earth and recruits Alex Rogan to save the universe? This is also multiple choice if you need it. Oh, please. Okay. Is it A, Proxima, B, Grig, C, Rylos, or D, Centauri? <sighs> D, Centauri. Centauri is correct. Oh, You're on the board, on the board, John. All right. We broke the goose egg. You needed that one. I did. You're going to bust the record. But it wasn't just any game. Centauri's the name. We have to talk about a matter of utmost importance. Step into my office. The special effects were done on a Cray XM supercomputer. Although they were uh, kind of primitive by today's standards, the CG of The Last Starfighter required the most powerful supercomputer at the time. $14 million of the movie's $15 million budget went to the CGI effects, of which there were 27 minutes worth. Adjusted for inflation, that would be like paying over $2,000 per second for the effects that could be easily made on your iPhone. That was, that was a really good movie. Uh, Great movie. I saw yeah. that movie on repeat on HBO as well a million times. Yeah. yeah. And it was, was Poltergeist, a... and then you watched Beastmaster. Beastmaster, <laughs> and then he went on to uh, The Last no, Starfighter. I, yeah, yeah. Life could be worse. It made growing up in a trailer park cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, three to two. Mike, you're still in the lead. Okay. And you have the power. You can pick between these two categories. Okay. Will it be killer cereal, which is a food mascot question? Or will it be, you deserve an earworm today at McDonald's? Ooh. No. Well, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do good in either question, but I'm going to try the McDonald's question. Okay. This is a TV jingles head-to-head -head challenge. Gen X TV commercials were filled with catchy jingles. McDonald's could teach a master's class of earworms in their famous Big Mac filet of fish jingle. There are eight menu items on the jingle, and you'll go head-to-head -head naming them in the jingle. Mike, you will start with the first item, which is Big Mac, and John, you will start with the, the next one, which is filet of fish Okay. You will continue back and forth naming items in the jingle until you cannot continue. Whoever's the last one to name the correct item in the jingle will win the points. So the, uh, the, the, the rhythm is Big Mac Filet of Fish. Okay. That's how it goes. Just as a little reminder. Okay. Mike, go oh. ahead and start off. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Big Mac Filet of Fish. Quarter pounder. Oh, man, we're already tapping me out. <laughs> uh, cheeseburger. <laughs> we just named a cheeseburger. Why would there be two cheeseburgers in a row? You're, 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 you're absolutely out of my wheelhouse on this one. Should I take the next one, then? You want to do the whole thing, Mike? And, uh, he's going to totally dunk all I, over, John? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm, being, I'm absolutely being posterized right now. <laughs> Posterize him. Let's hear it, Mike. Okay, okay here we go. Okay. 
big macfilet fish, quarter pounder, French fries, icy coat, big shake, sundae, and apple pie. Well done, Mike. It's a thick Dude. shake, but good enough. Oh, it's a thick shake? Thick shake, not big shake, but that's oh. okay. Close enough. Judges? Yes, judges say it's close enough. Oh, yeah, but you got to give it to him at that point. I mean... <laughs> That's a two-pointer. The good news for you. Go he ahead. was harmonizing. I mean, it, come on. <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I grew up remembering it as a big shake, just like in Michael Jackson's uh, Billy Jean. I always thought it was the chair is not my son. Because <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. things differently. Right. <laughs> well, the good news for you, John, is you're really not out anything. You could have gotten True. two points for that, uh, okay. which you really need. But Mike only got the two points he he was rolling into in the first place. All right. So you can get two points right here and still be right in this game. Okay. This question is called Killer Cereal, which is a food mascots question. The Monster Cereals are a line of breakfast cereal produced by General Mills Corporation in North America. The line was introduced in 1971, and at various times it included five brands, each Ooh. featuring a cartoon version of a classic movie monster. Name three of the five monster cereal characters. Okay. I, this, this is kind of, and this is in my wheelhouse. Uh, I'm going to go with Count Chocula, Boo Berry, and Frankenberry. All those are correct. Okay. Now, do you want to name the other two just for funsies? Those are the three I know. Uh, okay. I, I, don't, I don't know that I could go any further than that. Uh, uh, those are the three I remember. I okay, those were the three. I didn't think there were the, the Trinity. <laughs> Mike, do you know the other two by any chance? No, I thought that was it. Okay. Count Chocula, Frankenberry, Booberry. Those are the three most popular. But also there was Fruit Brute, which was a kind of a werewolf. <laughs> and uh, Fruity Yummy Mummy. Fruit quiet. Fruit. I'm me, Fruit Root, with my fruit-flavored cereal, Fruit Root, part of your nutritious breakfast. Uh, yeah, th those two were, were way off my uh, radar uh, as, in childhood. But cereal was, I mean, that was a big part of our, our childhood for sure. Uh, especially toys. The toys that used to come in cereal were fantastic. Nice segue. The fun <laughs> fact is, until the early 1980s, the Monster Cereals were also known for a wide variety of prizes that came in the cereal. Many items such as posters, stickers, paint sets, speed, uh, speedster cars, parachutes, and even vinyl advertising figures were produced. In 1979, three flexi discs were made available via cereal boxes. These were the flexible records that worked on your turntable. You guys remember those? I do. I do. Colors, right? They had different colors. So. Yeah. The, the song titles on those records were The Monsters Go Disco. Monster Adventures in Outer Space, and Count Chocula Goes to Hollywood. It seems very inappropriate to have serial vampires telling kids to relax, don't do it when you want to go to it. <laughs> I'm surprised, John, that your parents let you eat that cereal. Your dad's pretty good about cooking. Uh, stuff. We, we, were, we were sugar cereal fiends to the end, and uh, my, my personal favorite will always be the little baking soda submarine that came in Captain Crunch that never worked, but uh, the theory was... Fantastic. Awesome. The practice, not so great. Sweet. Hey, John, that means you have four points to Mike's five. Anything okay. can still happen as we go into the final question. 
Mike, you have the power. The power. That means you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be, it takes a very steady hand, which is a board game question, or will it be, meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice? Oh, okay. I'm going to have to go with the Hall of Justice because I don't think I have a steady hand. <laughs> this is a television cartoon question, as you might know. With the exception of one three-year gap, from 1973 through 1986, there was some form of Super Friends cartoon on either Saturday mornings or weekday afternoons. The show had different titles, but essentially it was the same show featuring DC Comics' most famous superheroes, as well as the very annoying Marvin, Wendy, and Wonder Dog in season one. <laughs> Name three of the seven show titles of the Super Friends TV show. Oh, man. There, was, there were more than one? There were seven. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, I'm just going to have to, I don't know. I'm going to have to guess on this. Okay, so the Super Friends. That is correct. Okay, that's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good start. Good start, uh, Super Friends. Uh, let's see. The, um, the Super Friends and the, oh, wait, wait, there was, oh no, Super Friends and the Wonder Twins? Is that one? Just give me three names. I'll tell you whether you're right or not. Okay. I mean, you can name more than three if you prefer. I, There's seven to pick from. Yeah, I'm okay. So I'm just gonna have to guess. So, Super Friend of the Wonder Twins, and then um, uh, the Super Friends um, Super Hour. Judges, mm. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. That is not a, a complete correct answer. So, okay. We can have loud arguments later if you like. I don't think Don, so. no. <laughs> here's your okay. chance to tie the game. Okay. Uh, I, I obviously super friends. I'm going to roll with that one. I, I appreciate Mike giving me a 33% shot at a uh, head start here. Uh, I remember, I seem, or I seem to remember challenge of the super friends. And, oh, there was one that had powers in the name. Uh, oh, Jesus. The power of power? <laughs> no. Damn it. Uh, Superpowers team. I'm going to go with those three, Jason. Judges, the judges agree. Close enough. Oh, well done, John. You've stolen this and you've stolen the power. You've tied the game. Oh, well, we got a game. Yeah. The uh, seven show titles were Super Friends, two words, the all new Super Friends Hour, mm -hmm. Challenge of the Super Friends, yeah. the world's greatest Super Friends, Super Friends, all one word. Super Friends and the legendary Superpower Show. And this is the one you got credit for, John, was the Superpowers Team Galactic Guardians. That was a stretch giving me credit for that one, but I, I appreciate the judge leniency. Uh, well, if you didn't say teams, yeah. If team wasn't in, the, in your answer, I mean, everything's after the uh, semicolon or after the colon. So, oh, okay. Well, yep. once it's out of and the colon, once it's out of the colon, it's, it's gone, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, the Hall of Justice. Now, didn't didn't Jason? Wasn't there a super villain spinoff at some point? The the Hall of Injustice or the, uh, the, well, the Hall of Doom? The the Hall challenge, of Doom? challenge of the Super Friends. Uh, there was also the Legion of Doom. That's it. That's Is that it. when they were in the swamp? Yep. The, yes. The, yeah. Yes. The black <laughs> like the Darth Vader head that came out of the swamp, basically. Now, right. I I remember specifically you had a question about the villains on an earlier show. 
Right. And I remember I was actually going for a walk while I listened to the podcast. And I was, again, really, I was upset that they had the Riddler instead of the Joker. Yeah. Uh, makes no sense. Nemesis. No, that makes zero sense. Right. Uh, let's, how afraid of the Riddler is Superman? <laughs> <laughs> there is no fear there at all. Agreed. You're just going to get puzzled, I guess. Salmon Grundy crush super friends. Uh, here's the fun fact. The aforementioned very annoying Marvin, Wendy, and Wonder Dog were put into season one of Super Friends by Hanna-Barbera with the thought that kids watching the show needed characters to identify with and not lose interest in the show. As if watching stories of superheroes would not keep kids' attention. They lasted only one season when producers saw the error of their ways. However, Marvin, Wendy, and Superdog were eventually brought back into the comic books in the Teen Titans comic. This didn't last too long as well when a new writer for the title took over and had Wonder Dog become rabid, kill Marvin, and maim Wendy to the point of her being a paraplegic. Since that issue, Zan, Jaina, and Gleek have refused to participate in the Teen Titans comics. Uh, and, and who can blame them? <laughs> I think they showed up an episode of Teen Titans Go. I uh, watched <laughs> my kids, and they were looking for a new member of the team, and they showed up, and they didn't get hired. <laughs> <laughs> they had enough buckets of water to last them, I, I bet. Yeah. So, Mike, you end with five points. This score is tied. That means, John, if you get this question correct, you win round two and the game. Oh, okay. It's called... It takes a very steady hand, which is okay. a board game's question. The board game Operation is a battery-operated game of physical skill that tests players' hand-eye coordination and fine motor skills. There are 12 ailments that players can remove from Sam the patient. Name three ailments that players can remove in the game. Okay. Uh, I remember Adam's apple. Uh, God, there's butterfly in the stomach. I, I remember those two because I lost them both out of my set. <laughs> <laughs> they were long gone. And uh, after combing uh, garage sales, uh, I finally found some replacements. Uh, so the, uh, oh God, spare rib. Spare rib, yes. That is correct. Congratulations, John. You've won the game. Oh, what a comeback. Wow. Seven to five. Let's run down the list. Adam's apple, broken heart, wrenched ankle, butterflies in the stomach, <laughs> spare ribs, water on the knee, funny bone, Charlie horse, writer's cramp, the ankle bone connected to the knee bone, wishbone, bread baskets were the 12. Bread baskets. Yeah. Now that one I don't recall at all. Uh, they added another one, which was brain freeze later uh, in the 2000s. Was the uh, ankle bone connected to the wishbone, the rubber band? Was uh, there a rubber band that was like in there? You had to take the rubber band out? I don't remember. It's been like forever years since I played <laughs> yeah. that game. I wonder if brain freeze was uh, sponsored by 7-Eleven. <laughs> Slurpy. Slurpy, Slurpy for days. Yeah. I'm surprised they haven't made a movie out of that yet. Uh, <laughs> wait, give it time. <laughs> Take out his spirits for one hundred dollars. Oh, you'll never do that. Don't touch the side. Here goes his funny bone. It takes a very steady hand. I did it. That's two hundred dollars for me. May I play? Operation. 
a Milton Bradley game. The fun fact is, the game's prototype was invented in 1964 by John Spinello, a University of Illinois industrial design student at the time. He sold the rights to the game to renowned toy designer Marvin Glass for a sum of 500 bucks and the promise of a job upon graduation, a promise that was not upheld. Today, the franchise is worth uh, over $40 million. Uh, and as a side note, uh, did it bother anyone that Sam, the patient, was clearly wide awake during the procedure and by the <laughs> looks of his expression is in horrible pain and there's no anesthesia? Anyone? It was a different time, Jason. <laughs> We don't speak of those times anymore. The Amazing Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk will return after these messages. Before we play the final round, if you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts and subscribing to future episodes. It costs you nothing to give a positive review and subscribe, but it would mean a whole lot to me, and it really does make a difference. We'd love to have you as a friend of the show. We now return to The Amazing Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk. Round three. Round three is a bonus prize round called Dysfunctional Family Feud. In this final round, the game's loser can play spoiler to the winner. I will ask the same five survey questions, family feud style, to each player in turn, and they will need to respond with what they think is the most popular answers from the Generation X timeline. That's the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via Facebook. The loser gets to answer first with the winner unable to hear their responses. The winner will then have to give responses to the same five questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of the answers from the other player. If they get more points, they win the game and go on to claim a chance of their prize. So, John, as the winner, we're going to put you in the waiting room. Okay. So, Mike, you know how to play, and you get, you get one pass. Okay, so uh, the pro tip is use your pass. Okay. Okay. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. A brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. Which were you? Basket case. Name your favorite board game of your youth. Monopoly. Name something you'd find at a disco in 1979. Oh gosh, I wasn't at a disco in 1979. A disco ball. A mirror ball. Who's your favorite Brady in the bunch? Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Name a famous Olympic athlete. Uh, Mary Lou Retton. What does she say at the end of uh, Scrooge? God bless us, everyone. And then there's a cartwheel. <laughs> and Scrooge. <laughs> yeah, so. Okay, John. Uh, that took no time at all, and I got to tell wow. you, I got to tell you, you got your work cut out for you. Well, so, I mean, that seems seems to be the theme of the show. Uh, I seem to get way behind the uh, eight ball here. Well, let's see how you do. All right. Dysfunctional Family Feud. I will ask oh. you the same five survey questions I asked Mike. You may not duplicate his answers. If you do, give me another answer. You have two passes, and the pro tip is use your passes wisely. Okay. You ready? Yeah, let's, let's, I, I don't know, but yeah, let's give it a roll. <laughs> uh, yeah, now you, you've intimidated the heck out of me with, uh, I mean, that, that took like four seconds. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm wrecked. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Okay. You can do this tough then. A brain, an athlete, a basket case, 
a princess and a criminal. Which were you? Criminal. Name your favorite board game of your youth. Monopoly. Try again. Life. Name something you'd find at a disco in 1979. Uh, Mirrorball. Try again. <sighs> Cocaine. <laughs> Who is your favorite Brady in the bunch? <sighs> Marsha. Try again. This is brutal. Uh, Peter. That's the last place answer. <laughs> and finally, name a famous Olympic athlete. Bruce Jenner. Oh, yeah. That was a uh, that was a life changing show. And well, uh, I, I'm really go, sad. Go I'm really sad not to have had a Robotech question in here. I, I really wanted to, but Mike specifically said that he knows nothing about Robotech. He said specifically, and I thought, well, that's kind of like that's not really fair. I had to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but uh uh you know, I actually showed my daughter the whole series and that okay. got her hooked, that got her hooked on anime. Nice. And, how uh, old were how old was was she when you uh showed it to her? Oh, let's see, she's 15 now. She was probably eight, nine. Okay. She was able yeah. to handle that, huh? She was able to handle it. Yeah, for sure. And okay. then, and, and now she might've been 10, Jason, maybe 10. Um, okay. uh, are you thinking about introducing it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what the appropriate age though. Like, yeah, I, I not, was thinking about 10. It, yeah. That sounds about right. It's yeah. not bloody. I mean, you know, but, no, but, but there are, there are consequences. Right. I mean, people die. And, yeah. uh, but the, I was thinking more along the lines of like, being able to appreciate the the love triangle and the, yeah. the romance in it all you know she's she you know likes yeah, to pretend right. she's a wolf oh uh, well that's, <laughs> that's her that's her game i mean i can remember we would sit my mom would sit down and watch it with me oh really you know? yeah mom rules yeah 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 that was uh watch robotech oh yeah she would she would get all in she would get sucked into that show kind of appeals to a broad audience because it does have a love interest. It does have yeah. consequences, but it's also spaceships and lasers. And, you know, it's, it, it really mm -hmm. does appeal to a, a, a wide variety. I uh, it, and it certainly opened the door to anime in the U.S. Absolutely. You know, for sure. Well, it, it kicked the door down, right? The door is already yeah, cracked right. with, you know, Vol uh, Battle of the Planets. Battle of the Planets was my favorite cartoon as a kid. Yeah, was, it was Zoltar and yeah, oh yeah, oh it was a wonderful show. Yeah, I love that there was a character named Jason in it. I remember that was yeah. like the first time I've ever in outside of my family hearing the name Jason, you know. And then and, there was Jason he, Voorhees, and and know. he was kind of the dark dude, like he yeah. was kind of the he was kind of the Batman of that show. He absolutely you know? was. Yeah. yeah, he was the badass. Yeah. So we only connected in name only, not in personality. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> far from a badass. <laughs> <laughs> you were well, you weren't key op <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't uh seven zark seven no or... <laughs> uh what a great show yeah fiery phoenix it's all great yeah uh, i need to show my daughter that that's what i need to show. oh for sure She'll dig yeah, that. Yeah. that might be a good intro um okay now we're done talking anime talk um let's go to the scores I can tell you right now, this is a very close game. Um, 
I asked you, a brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. Of course, that's the premise behind The Breakfast Club, which were you. Uh, Mike, you said a basket case, which was the number one answer. Oh. 40 points. John, you said criminal. While I find very accurate in your case, <laughs> it was the number four answer worth 10 points. So that's 40 to 10. Mike's favor. I asked you, name a favorite board game of your youth. Mike, you said the very popular Monopoly. So popular, it was the number one answer. Oh, jeez. 32 points. You got the top two number one answers so far. You have 72 points. Most scores total is about 72 points in this game so far. So uh, you're doing very well. Okay. John, you said life, which was the number three answer, worth 20 points. I'll take you a total of 30. So it's 72 to 30. I ask you, name something you'd find in a disco in 1979. Uh, the very popular disco ball was said by Mike, which was the number two answer worth 21 points, bringing you to a total of 91. Maybe John's going number one. John, you said cocaine. The number one answer. <gasps> worth 39 points. So the score is Mike. 91, John, 69. 69, dude. Cocaine and 69, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and at the disco. Serendipity. Uh, I asked you, who was your favorite Brady in the bunch? Mike, you said Marsha, 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 which was the number four answer worth 15 points, bringing you to a total of 106. John, you said Peter, the number one answer. Oh. Worth 34 points. Mike, you have 106. John, you have 103. Three points separates you going into the final question. Wow. Okay. John, I asked you, name a famous Olympic athlete. You said Bruce Jenner. The number two answer. Worth 22 points, bringing you to a grand total of 125 points. Mike, you said Mary Lou Retton. You oh. need... You need 20 points to win. Survey said. Mary Lou Retton was the number one answer worth 28 points, bringing you to a total of 134. Congratulations, Mike. You have played spoiler to John, and that means, John, you will not go on to claim a prize. Me and my wallet, thank you, Mike. <laughs> that, that was really good. That was, that was fuckingly close. I was, I was sweating there a little bit. I, I got the closest I, game we've had. Is that right? I, I got to admit that uh, I, well, you know what, that, that, that uh, Hail Mary pass of cocaine was, uh, you know, it re I was rewarded. <laughs> this is the first episode where all of the number one answers were, were taken in a game. Wow. Wow. The first time. Evenly. Well done, Michael. Good well job. done. Good job. Although are unable to get a prize, let's take a look at some of the items you could have won, John. Uh, excellent. You could have won the either, you can choose between the Garbage Pail Kids Mike Dyke or Dynamike. Both features a disgusting artwork from the Garbage Pail Kids. Not to be outdone, also from Garbage Pail Kids is uh, Junk Food John, which is very appropriate for the topics on this episode. Lots of junk food today. The world famous K-Rock Keychain, which was a popular radio station growing up in Southern California for us. A monster cereal Pez dispenser featuring Fruit Brute. 
still in the box. A four plastic cups featuring Max Headroom on them. Fun for you and three of your friends. And this one I've, I thought was interesting. Back in the 80s, there was a advertising campaign for Bob's Big Boy restaurants asking whether Bob should remain the mascot or uh, of the restaurant or not. And here's a promo button with Bob's face on it asking if she should stay or go. I believe my big brother had that button. I remember that. They were doing a whole bunch of uh, logo, like, should they say, they, they blooped the Jack in the Box. I mean, right. Right? Yep, yep. I remember that vividly. There's a Super Friends mini lunchbox holiday uh, ornament to hang on a tree. Oh. A vintage drinking glass from a fast food restaurant featuring <laughs> Theodore from the Chipmunks. This was an interesting one. Uh, this was one on the last episode, but it's still in my watch list. So you could have technically claimed this and stolen it from the previous winner, which was a button featuring Smurfette that reads equal rights for Smurfette. I was really hoping someone would win to, to try and get that drama going. Uh, <laughs> the next is a Smith's polyester one-of-a-kind umbrella with the picture of the band on the umbrella. It's the classic Morrissey with the flowers. Uh, you know, that's a... Uh... The daffodils. That's a throwback. Yeah, the daffodils, yeah. And finally, we have Teen Titans issue number 62. Uh, this is the Teen Titans comic book issue where Marvin is killed and Wendy is maimed by a wonder dog. So you could have read that for yourselves. Yeah. But That's a thanks good to Michael, we will not be doing that. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mike. Thank you so much for checking out the show. We know you have a vast ocean of choices for your podcast and enjoyment, and it is simply amazing that you chose to spend a little time on our show. Thank you so very much. If you like the show, you can join us on Facebook and join our Facebook group if you like. There's always some fun Gen X content floating around there every day. If you'd like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will save Gen X. Contributions there go directly to keeping the show going, offering better prizes for the contestants and all around improvement to future episodes. At our Patreon site, you'll find special offers for becoming a contributor to the show, uh, including exclusive content, bonus episodes, and so much more. Uh, if you want to check out that fun stuff, you can. If you like what we're doing here and you want to save Gen X from being forgotten, you can contribute there. Uh, if not, please consider us next time. I'm just happy you're listening to the show. Thank you so much. Before we go, let's say thank you to our guest. Uh, do you guys have any shout outs or anything you want to want to talk about? Michael, we'll start with you. Okay, so just a shout out to uh, my wife, who's been really supportive, John's sister, uh, your dad, John, he's been great, um, class of 91, and then um, the Neon Retro Arcade in Pasadena, uh, where I can be a kid again. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great arcade. Yeah, all the classic 80s video games there. It's in Pasadena? Yeah, right off Colorado Boulevard, and uh, I think Figueroa, maybe? Yeah. I just got my second COVID shot. I'm going to make a road trip. You got to go. You gotta go. Thanks for being on the show, Mike. It's been a blast. Thank you. It's been an honor. Pre really appreciate it. John, anything you'd like to say before we go? Yeah, uh, real quickly. My original shout out was going to be to uh, all the parents who in this day and age allow their children to be what they call free range, which for us was just being kids uh, and let their kids run around and play, uh, which seems to be a foreign concept with play dates and uh, kids uh, glued to the video games and uh, uh, you know, and COVID has obviously uh, changed that paradigm in a huge way. But uh, uh, two okay, days ago, 
Yeah, okay, yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, two days ago, one of, our, one of the vessels for the company I work for uh, capsized off the coast of Louisiana uh, quite unexpectedly, uh, was hit by a storm. And uh, uh, there are, of the 19 people on board, uh, seven have been recovered, uh, six alive, one had, one was recovered deceased, and there are 12 still missing uh, as of the time that we're recording this. And uh, so my shout out goes out to the Coast Guard and the Good Samaritan vessels that were on scene almost immediately in terrible weather uh, to get those six guys out of the water alive. Uh, and they're, even right now, still uh, rescue operations. They're hoping they still find the 12. Uh, so my shout out goes out to the Coast Guard. My shout out goes to the uh, Good Samaritan vessels that are assisting. And uh, my thoughts and prayers are with the loved ones and families who for three days have no idea where their uh, husbands, brothers, sons are. And uh, uh, my thoughts are with you. Absolutely. I couldn't imagine being in that situation. It's just beyond the pale. Awful, awful to have 72 hours and not know where your loved one is uh, or what condition they're in. Right. See, is, is just, has just got to absolutely be brutal. Well, yes, uh, our, our thoughts are with them as well. Hopefully we'll hear some good news uh, soon. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Before we go, I'd like to leave you with a cliffhanger question. If you know the answer, please reach out on our Facebook group page, or you can email me directly at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. Also, if you have any feedback for the show or would like to submit a trivia question or segment idea, you can reach me at that email address as well. If we use your question in the show, we'll be sure to give you a shout out. And now this episode's cliffhanger question is, the series Beverly Hills 90210 featured several characters and storylines during its 10 season run. Which of these characters did not appear throughout the entire run of the series? Was it A, Brenda Walsh, B, Kelly Taylor, C, Donna Martin, or Nat from the Peach Pit? Correct answers to the cliffhanger question will be put into a drawing for an upcoming prize at a later date. Last episode's cliffhanger question info has been posted on the Facebook group page, so you can check out all the details there. Well, that's it for the episode, everyone. Thanks again for checking out the show. We welcome you to subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. But you left the bodies, didn't you? You son of a bitch, you left the bodies and you only moved the headstones! You only moved the headstones! Yes, might have gotten away with it too. It wasn't for these blasted kids and their dogs. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.